Are we beginning a new series, a new sermon series on the book of 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament? But why are we preaching through this book now? Some of us are thinking, I can't even pronounce Thessalonians. So why are we doing a sermon series on this book? There is a very compelling reason why we are doing a sermon series on 1 Thessalonians now. From the time the coronavirus, the corona crisis hit all of us, and from the time the lockdown began, I've been sensing the need to really meditate on and preach on the ultimate hope that we all have as believers in Jesus Christ. The hope that one day Christ Jesus will come back And bring forth a beautiful new heaven and a new earth. Where all things will be beautiful and perfect. And God will dwell with us. And we will see him face to face. We will be his bride. And he will be our bridegroom. In a world where there is no more sin or sickness or shame. We need to feel the beauty And power of this hope, even as the world around us is crumbling. And so as the lockdown hit us, we spent a a few weeks looking at Romans chapter 8, which teaches us about this hope. And this is also why we are looking at 1 Thessalonians now. This small book has five chapters. A beautiful thing is that each of these five chapters end with a direct reference to the second coming of Christ. Each of these five chapters end with a direct reference to the second coming of Christ Jesus. And even as each of these five chapters closes with a direct reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, each of these five chapters also guides us on how to live even as we wait for Christ Jesus to come again. And that's why I've titled the sermon series, Waiting Well. Now, as Jesus himself told, none of us know when he's going to come back. And so we are all called to wait well, wait expectantly, and wait faithfully. If you're not a Christian and if you are uh, someone who we would call an explorer, someone who's curious about Jesus, someone who's interested in Jesus, someone who's checking Jesus out, I would encourage you to, to express your doubts. What? Jesus is coming back again? Yes, he is. You know, from your point of view, uh, this might seem like a preposterous claim. And uh, you might well feel that way. In fact, from your point of view, the Bible makes several preposterous claims about Jesus Christ. First, the Bible says he, Jesus was born of a virgin. The Bible says Jesus never sinned. He was tempted in every way, but he never sinned, not even once in his life. The Bible says Jesus was crucified to death and after laying 
dead in a sealed tomb, he rose again from the dead on the third day. The Bible says that the risen Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection with his disciples. And then he bodily ascended into heaven. The Bible categorically says that the only way to be together with God is by believing in Jesus Christ and no one else. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And then the Bible says Jesus is going to come back again a second time, this time to judge every man and woman who ever lived on the face of the earth. Every one of these claims, from your perspective as explorers, may seem preposterous. But what if they are true? What if every one of these claims are indeed true? Can you afford to reject Jesus if all of these are indeed true? I encourage you to think about that, even as you listen to the sermon. At New City, we never force explorers to believe what we believe, but we do encourage them to explore who Jesus really is. I've spent 25 years working as a business journalist and and I'm trained to think and to speak rationally. And I promise to speak rationally today. And I hope that you will find this Jesus worthy of your investigation. That said, let's, let's dive into the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be looking at the first half of the first chapter of this book this morning. But I'm going to read the full chapter for us. It's a short chapter, only 10 verses. I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how, how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. That's the second coming of Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. This is God's word. Like I said, 
the first chapter and every single chapter in this book ends with a direct reference to the second coming of Christ. Allow me to pray for us. Father, even as we come under your word, even as we walk through a sermon series on the book of 1 Thessalonians, we pray, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit and uh, would you give us the grace to wait well, to wait expectantly, to wait faithfully, Lord. Speak to us, transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 5. Paul starts, Paul's the author of 1 Thessalonians. Paul starts by thanking God for three things. Three things that the believers in Thessalonica are demonstrating. We see this in verse 3. Let me read that out for us. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. Faith, hope, love. This is the gospel triad that every believer will and must have. We all need faith, hope, and love to wait well for the second coming of our Lord Christ Jesus. All of us who believe in Jesus have this amazing hope of a beautiful and perfect eternal future with God. But in the present reality, we all live in a broken world. We all struggle with our own sins. We struggle with the sins and the brokenness of the world, even more so during the lockdown. So we live in this huge gap between future hope and present reality. There's this huge gap between future hope and present reality. And we need faith, hope, and love to flourish in this gap between future hope and present reality. And so this gospel triad of faith, hope, and love is absolutely essential for us to wait well till Christ comes again. So with that as an introduction, I'd like to draw three things for us from this passage. Seeing the gospel triad, living the gospel triad, and receiving the gospel triad. Seeing the gospel triad, living out the gospel triad, and receiving the gospel triad. Let's start with seeing the gospel triad. It is not just in 1 Thessalonians that Paul taught about the gospel tribe of faith, hope, and love. He taught this to many churches. Let me just give us a quick run through of scripture to help us see this. Uh, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he wrote this beautiful chapter on love. All of us are familiar with that chapter. How does he end that chapter? Verse 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now... These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So there's that gospel triad again, faith, hope, and love. 
Uh, Paul hits on the gospel tribe again when he writes to the church in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you had for all the saints because of the hope you laid, he laid up for you in heaven. Faith, hope, love. That's that gospel tribe again. So Paul is teaching about this gospel tribe to the churches at Thessalonica, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Colossae. Obviously, this is important. This is not the only tribe in the passage that we're looking at in 1 Thessalonians. We also have another tribe. And help me, uh, let me show that to us. 1 Thessalonians 1 talks about the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness or endurance in hope. Just like faith, love, and hope are a gospel tribe, work, labor, or toil, and endurance or steadfastness is another tribe in the same passage. Faith, love, hope, work, labor, endurance. And let me establish the second tribe here, also from another passage of scripture. This is written by another disciple named John. I'm reading from Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know your works, your toil or labor, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. And so we, have, we actually have two sets of characteristics that make up this gospel tribe. Faith should produce work. Love should move us to labor and hope should produce steadfastness or endurance or patience. I'd like us to really engage with this gospel tribe. Faith produces deeds. Love compels us to labor and hope produces in us endurance. That's the first thing, seeing the gospel tribe. That brings us to the second thing I want to draw for us from this passage. Living the gospel tribe. This gospel tribe is a great diagnostic to really introspect and help us see if we are indeed living this out. How have we fared during the 68 days of the lockdown? Let's pause. Let's pause for a minute to, to measure our level of faith, hope, and endurance during this lockdown. The work, the word work here comes from the Greek word ergon, which, mean, which means deeds. What have been our deeds during the lockdown? Now, watching Netflix doesn't count as a deed. What did we do in the lockdown? That is an expression of our faith in deeds. <clears throat> the word labor comes from the Greek word kopos, which means, <coughs> excuse me, which means to toil. It literally means troublesome toil. And, and this is a beautiful definition of love. This is a love which is willing to go through troublesome toil 
to the person, to the object of the love. And third, hope that produces endurance. Faith producing work, love compelling us to labor, and hope producing endurance. Now, there are two equal and opposite ways in which we go wrong in living out the gospel triumph. The first error is this, is faith without works, love without labor, hope without endurance. Let's quickly walk through all three. Faith without works. What has this pandemic done to us? Has it made us vibrant enough faith or has it made us numb enough faith? Have we drawn closer to God during the lockdown or have we grown closer to Netflix during during the lockdown? Our works, our deeds in response to the pandemic is, is a good measure of our real faith. How did our faith translate into deeds? Second, it's possible to love without labor, love within course. Uh, imagine a husband who keeps telling his wife he loves her, he loves her, he loves her. He tells it all the time, but all he does at home is drinks beer, watches Netflix, and plays video games. What kind of love is that? Is that, is that real love? That is love without any labor. That is fake love. Or third, Think about hope without endurance. Have we been giving up too easily and too frequently in the pandemic? Have we been slipping into spells of sadness and grief and depression too much, too often, too frequently during the pandemic, during this lockdown? That's probably a sign that we are not having endurance. Now, don't hear me wrong, please. Endurance Endurance does not mean that we must become emotionless, not at all. Steadfastness or endurance does not mean emotionlessness. It does not mean we don't feel sad or we don't grieve. That's not at all what it means. It means that we will be steadfast in our hope in Christ, even through the sadness of the lockdown, even through the grief of the of the pandemic. It means that we will take our we will not take our eyes off Jesus even though there's great sadness in our hearts. Charles Spurgeon, most of us have heard of him. He was known as the prince of preachers. His sermons even as you read them are so full of life, so full of God's holy spirit. He, he was an amazing preacher. He was, he, he was and is still called as the prince of preachers. Now, Charles Spurgeon suffered with chronic depression most days of his life. Most of his life he was suffering with chronic depression. So endurance does not mean we don't have emotions or we don't feel sadness. Endurance means that in our sadness, we fix our eyes on Jesus. So that's the first way in which we sin. When our faith is not demonstrating works, when our labor, when our love is not translating into labor, when our hope is not producing endurance. This is the sin of licentiousness. This is the sin of just taking the grace and the death of Christ on the cross too lightly, taking it for granted. 
Jesus died for me so I can live just as I want. That's one way of sinning, one way of error. The second, the equal and opposite way in which we miss out living the gospel triad is to work without faith, is to labor without love and to endure without hope. Is this possible? Yes, it is. And I suspect that all of us, myself first, do live like this often. Let's look at all three. What does work without faith look like? You know, at a time like this, it's quite easy and it's quite likely that we are doing things more out of fear than out of faith. You know, it's quite possible that we might be reading the Bible regularly during the lockdown because of fear, not faith. It's possible that we might be joining our morning CBR calls and evening prayer calls driven by fear, not by faith. We might be giving, we might be tithing and doing many good deeds out of fear and not faith. It is somewhere deep down, somewhere in the corner of our heart, there's a wise which may be whispering. It's not definitely not God's voice. You know, we have this feeling sometimes that, hey, if I do all this, God's going to take care of me in the lockdown. God's going to make sure that I don't lose my job. And so we do this out of fear. This is work without faith. Similarly, it's possible to labor without love. You know, as a pastor in full-time ministry and and many pastors and many, many people can relate to this. It is so easy to labor without love. It is so easy to slip into doing something without real love because that's what we do. We're all vulnerable to this. Uh, you know, Aji watches, uh, my wife, she watches a fair bit of stand-up comedy. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the common trends in the stand-up comedy is to make fun of Indian parents. Uh, I think we all understand uh, uh, how Indian parents, many Indian parents often behave. Um, there's so much labor. They would do anything uh, for their children, but they're often not very emotionally expressed. You know, they're, they're laboring to give you this, to give you a good education. They're laboring to give you a good home. They're giving, laboring to give you a good upbringing. They may not really express uh, their, their love to you. So Indian parents, some Indian parents, I'm not generalizing, please don't get me wrong. Uh, some Indian parents are a good example, perhaps, of, of laboring without really expressing love. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. The third is endurance without hope. Is that possible? All of us have done that. Tell me, haven't we all gritted our teeth and endured working for a crazy, stupid boss at some point of time or the other. Fear can produce endurance. And we all endure out of fear. Maybe that's what we're doing now. We're enduring in our own strength. Our endurance is being motivated and fueled by fear and not by faith in God. This is the opposite error of what we saw earlier. This is a sin of legalism. Doing things in our own strength, trying to earn God's blessing, trying to uh, avoid, you know, a fear motivating us to, to worship God. So these are the two contrasting errors we are seeing. 
faith without work and work without faith. Love without labor and labor without love. Hope without endurance and endurance without hope. Both are possible and both are wrong. These are two equal and opposite ways in which we miss living out the gospel triad. What Jesus has, has called us to is neither of the two. Jesus has called us and empowered us to have a faith that produces works. He has called us and empowered us to, ha- to love that compels us to labor, to have hope that births in us endurance. Take a moment. How have we fared in this gospel triad during the lockdown? But hang on. Before we measure ourselves, let me give us God's standard on which we measure ourselves. God's standard of measure is Christ Jesus. God's standard of love is Christ Jesus. God's standard of hope is Christ Jesus. So we need to remember the faith and the work of Jesus, the love and the labor of Jesus, the hope and endurance of Jesus. Jesus is God's standard. Now let's take stock of how we were all fed during the 68 days of lockdown in the areas of faith, hope, and love. Let's measure ourselves with Jesus as the standard. I hope we're all at a place where we're feeling, man, this is impossible. No way I can measure up to Jesus' standard. I'm failing miserably. I hope we're now at a place where we are all crying out to God and saying, God, I just cannot do this by myself. Help me, God. And that brings us to the third thing I'd like to draw for us from the passage. Receiving the gospel tribe. How do we grow in living with more and more and more faith, hope, and love in our daily lives? Let me show us how the Thessalonian church did it. And that's the exactly, that's exactly, and that's the only way we too can do it. So let me go back to the passage. In verse 3 in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is celebrating the faith, love, and hope that the Thessalonian church is demonstrating. And then in verses 4 and 5, he tells us how they achieved this. Let's read that entire passage again. I'm reading from verse 2 onwards. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There's some key phrases here. For we know that you are loved by God. That you are chosen by God. God has chosen you. And our gospel came to you with power and in the Holy Spirit. So this is what Paul is saying. Paul preached the gospel or the good news of Jesus to the church at Thessalonica. 
to the people at Thessalonica. And this gospel, by the work of the Holy Spirit, birthed in them this faith, hope, and love. Paul is telling us that this gospel triad of faith, love, and hope is received, not manufactured. We receive faith, hope, and love as a gift from God. We do not generate it by our good intentions or good effort. This is so contrary to what most of us believe most of the time. Think about it. We all believe that we have to manufacture faith, hope, and love. We all believe we have to try hard. We have to be good Christians. We have to be spiritual Christians. And we have to bring forth from within us. It's our work to show faith, hope, and love. This passage is telling us, no. This passage is telling us, we don't do it ourselves. We receive it from God. Let me give us a very simple illustration to bring this home. Most of us have seen superhero movies, you know, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Hulk, all superhero movies. Now, most superhero stories have the same trajectory. Most superheroes do not earn their powers. They do not build their superpowers by themselves. And every story has the same plot line. Something happens to them. A radioactive spider bites them or they go into a, a nuclear, uh, you know, they go through a nuclear blast like Wolverine did and he got some of his powers or, or they are exposed to radiation like the Hulk was and he got his powers. So they don't earn, they don't create their own superpowers. They receive their superpowers by something and then they discover their superpowers. So the superhero movies, the plot line is always the same. Something happens to them, they receive the power, and then they discover the superpower that they have already received. So if you've seen the first Superman movies, Superman is actually surprised that when he jumps, he can actually fly. Spider-Man is actually surprised when he's discovering his superpowers that he can stick to a wall and climb. He doesn't know he can do that. He, he didn't definitely earn it. He didn't definitely create that ability. He just discovered that he had that ability. The gospel triad of faith, hope, and love is like that. We don't manufacture it. We don't earn it ourselves. We don't generate it. We merely discover, like the superheroes did, we merely discover what has already been deposited into us when we believe in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you a superhero tale. Let me establish what I just said from the Bible. Let me, let, me, let me show you that this is not my idea, that this is a biblical construct. Let me show you that faith, hope, and love are not things we manufacture, but faith, hope, and love are gifts that God gives to us. I'm going to quickly run through this. Let's look at faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. This was the saying, faith is not from ourselves. It is a gift from God. Now, as if this was were not clear enough, let me show you 2 Peter chapter verse 
chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as us. Peter is saying, we receive faith. We don't manufacture faith. Very important. That's faith. Let's look at hope. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You see, when a child is born into the world, the child has not created the world. The world has been given to the child. And so similarly, when this verse says, we have been, we've been given new birth into a living hope, it means we, have, we don't manufacture this hope. We've been given this hope. Let's look at love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because God first loved us. See, the gospel triad of faith, hope, and love is received by us. It is not generated by us. What I'm about to say as I close in the next five minutes is extremely important. This is not only the most important thing in this sermon, I believe this is the most important doctrine in the entire theology of salvation and redemption. We all believe that faith, hope, and love are things we have to manufacture from within us. We have to muster up the faith. We have to believe hard. That just so shown us from the Bible that this is wrong. When the Holy Spirit brought us to faith in Jesus Christ, he injected into us, he deposited in us faith, hope, and love. The regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, which enabled us to be born again, injected into us faith, love, and hope. And, and we merely discover the faith, hope, and love that the Holy Spirit has already deposited into us. We only need to receive this. We only need to live this out. God has already given this. Look at verse uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We are given every good thing. We only need to discover it and live it out. Spiritual growth is not creating more faith, more hope, more love by ourselves. Spiritual growth is merely discovering and appropriating the faith, hope, and love the Holy Spirit deposited in us when he regenerated us. Let me bring this home. Let me ask us a very simple question. Did you choose Jesus or did Jesus choose you? Think what? Did you make an active choice to believe in Jesus or did the Holy Spirit regenerate you and give you the faith to believe in Jesus? Which of these two do you believe? Think about it. The Bible says we were all dead in our transgressions. While we were dead in our transgressions, Christ Jesus died for us. 
We were all dead in our sins. We were corpses, dead bodies. And as far as I know, dead bodies don't make choices. Dead men cannot make a choice to believe in Jesus. We were spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit regenerated us and gave us the faith to believe in Jesus. We contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that necessitated it. Even the faith to believe in Jesus is a gift to us from God. And as we close, let's take a moment to just marvel at the beauty of our salvation. First, we could do nothing to be accepted by God. And so God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bear the punishment for all of our sins so that we can be accepted by God. And even after Jesus died and rose again from the dead, we were spiritually dead. We couldn't make a choice to believe in Jesus because we were dead. And so God sent his Holy Spirit to come and regenerate us and to give us faith in Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 puts it beautifully. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. By his unilateral, monergistic grace, God has already deposited this gospel triad of faith, hope, and love into us. He has already deposited us this into us. We only need to discover and appropriate what God has already deposited in us. And the Holy Spirit lives in us when he regenerated us, gave us faith. He also came to live in us. He lives in us to help us in every moment of our lives, discover, live out, and grow in this gospel triad of faith, love, and hope. The hope we need to wait well for Christ to come again is not a hope we manufacture, but it is a hope that the Holy Spirit injects into us. This gospel triad of faith, hope, and love we don't manufacture it. We receive it. We've already received it from God. And so let us pray for grace to discover what we already have and to live out what the Holy Spirit has already deposited into us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your unilateral work of grace in us. We did nothing we could do nothing. We couldn't even make the choice to believe in you because we were dead in our sin. But you moved in us, Lord. Your Holy Spirit regenerated, regenerated us. Your Holy Spirit gave us faith, Lord. And your Holy Spirit deposited in us faith, hope, and love. This beautiful gospel tribe. Faith that produces works. Love that compels us to labor. Hope that gives us endurance. Lord, we thank you, Spirit of God. We thank you, Jesus, that we already have been gifted these. And so we pray, Spirit of God, would you continue to help us 
discover these superpowers that you've given us of faith, hope, and love, and live that out. Appropriate that. Live that out that we might draw closer to you and be a blessing to those around us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.